Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief Season 2. I'm Jasper and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds. I'm Jed and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds. Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk. Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief. Thank you for joining us. This episode is actually going to be more of a an extended catch-up, as it were. So, yeah, there's lots to talk about. Yeah, there's lots to talk about generally, and so we thought we'd just uh, create an episode where we just chat, really. Yeah. And see what's been happening and what's what's going on in the world of biking in London and uh, see what we have to say. So, I'm going to kick it off by saying, on my ride, actually a great ride over today. Um, I was cruising from Shoreditch through to London Bridge, through Broadgate and got to a set of lights and there was another bonnie at the lights so it's a really cool guy and had a little bit of a chat at the lights but you know you can't get enough time in because they change green and then you're racing to the next set of lights and it's this constant battle of trying to keep conversation going between sets of lights um wait so w- w- was he on an air-cooled bonnie just tell us a bit about the bike so the bike it was air-cooled i think it, it, no it was definitely air-cooled but i think it was carved it was very similar to mine um or how mine used to be it was almost as loud as mine Really? It didn't have straight pipes. It had single X at either side, but it had big mufflers on it, megaphone sort of cans on it, and uh, it sounded great. It had the original Speedo, like big single Speedo like mine used to have. Yes. Original Triumph Speedo, um, sort of straight tracker bars, mirrors below the bars, and it had 16-inch XL rims, front and rear. So not the usual, uh, for those that don't know, the Bonnie has a 17 on the rear, and a 19 on the front and this had 60 it was almost like supermoto wheels on a on a bonnie they were quite wide did they look did the wheels look unusually small for the for the type of bike that it is well the thing is i think he'd load the suspension the thing sat quite low um so it, it looked good it actually suited yeah. it and he had a sort of a low front mudguard and the chunky tires and it looked quite good um looked good sounded great it had these flat tracker bars on it back seat um it, all in all it was a good looking bike so you pull up next to him at the lights, you have a quick chat, pull away. How 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 long are you with him for? So we actually rode from uh, London Bridge through to Parliament Square. Yeah. And that's where we sort of separated. He went Millbank Way and then I went towards the city. But we, yeah, every set of lights, we we're having a chat and, you know, we're just chatting about bikes. And I saw that he'd done uh, the mountain rally, said it was a great experience, recommended it. And I said to him, you're going to be at the beach race and stuff this year. And he said, oh, I didn't think it was going to be on this year. I was like, nope, it's on. Yeah, it's Told always him on. The date's always on. Um, I said, you should come down. And he's he's also going to be doing the mile, which he's quite excited for. Now, is he going to be doing that on that bike with those road tyres? Well, this is what I thought. I thought maybe he might be doing like the dash. Oh, yeah. But um, we actually had a bit of a dash. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I did come out victorious. Um, that is great. That was a great laugh. But it's incredibly fun racing 
another bike that is the same bike as yours like, uh, yeah identical bike it's so fun because you, you it really is neck and neck like whenever we have a quick zap even if it's on like a slip road to a motorway or something it's, it's such a good laugh because you know it's going to be neck and yeah. neck whereas when you have a race with a bike that's just way more capable it's just does it take the fun out of it you yeah, want some exactly. competition yeah exactly but no it was a great run i love these small encounters i've had a number of them you have as well though yeah i've had loads it'd probably be worth saying that you don't actually see that many other what i would call bikers on the roads in london no it's like, true you, you you you'd probably like if you looked at our accounts and and you didn't know much about london you'd probably think that modern classic bikes are everywhere and, and bikes generally yeah. but it's actually not the case like they're few and far between i would say you know it's mostly mopeds it is that's that's all you really see and then every now and, and then and then you'll get kind of like you'll get the commuters on their standard commuter bikes like you get that yeah. all, all the time no no problem but they're not interested in what bike you're riding the um addison lee couriers the addison lee couriers although they're sometimes quite fun because they're always out on the roads and they yeah, like to true. see i've had one of those wheelie past me before so i was commuting back from i was working in west london at the time commuting back to east london and it was somewhere near dalston i believe and there's a stretch of road and it's normally solid traffic and bikers can't go in that particular bus lane. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but this guy, I was on my SV and we'd had a bit of a blip from the previous set of lights and we got to the next set. As we rolled up, they changed green and he just gave it the beans and was straight up on the back wheel in the bus lane. Wait, but so he must have been on a decent bike because normally these, these couriers are on like a Honda. It was, it was a Honda. 500. It was a 500 Honda, like a CB500 or something. Wow. Uh, with like the huge plastic Addison Lee branded. But with like the thin panniers so they can filter. Yeah yeah and uh fully up on the he must have been at sort of 11 o'clock he was right up on the back wheel and then we got to the next set of lights and he was crying with laughter and then another courier bloke came from behind and was tears in his eyes was like i've never seen something so funny in my life Uh, that's awesome with the huge top box just on the back wheel you know i think being a courier in london would be a lot of fun like i I genuinely think it's a kind of a weird career because like we we know someone we know uh you know my booster that guy yes yeah so we know someone who, who who's, a, who's a career sort of nine to five in london and i think it's quite a stressful job because you are always in and ride but if you yeah. love riding it's got to be a lot of fun and it's amazing because a lot of companies like you know they might have some document that needs to be signed yeah and it needs to be signed in virginia water and so <laughs> the guy literally takes the document puts it in a in a kind of plastic sleeve, rides to the Virginia yeah. water, someone signs it and then brings it back. And like, that might be sort of his half day's work. That's it. I'm always amazed that they don't use more capable bikes, if you know what I mean. Like I would have thought yeah. they want to be on like Super Dukes or no, I know. Or, or kind of <laughs> R1s, but actually they don't. Like These Hondas are perfect because it's low revving. Uh, they're very low maintenance yeah. and the chances of them going wrong are slim. And if it's raining, they're not like, oh, I need to cover it up. They're no, just- and also getting stolen. And getting stolen, exactly. Yeah. And these bikes will do extremely high mileage. Yeah. And uh, they go and, forever. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that always amazes me is quite how filthy the career bikes are in London. Oh, it's another level of grime. It really is. It's like you see winter grime on a bike, and then you see the career bike even midsummer, and the thing is just filthy. The number plate you can't even make out. No. The yellow bit of the number plate is just so it's black. Just, yeah. So I washed my bike earlier today. Yeah. Um, because I'd ridden. We could talk about the terrible weather that we've had this week as well, because uh, well, we word. have to talk about it. No, we have to. Um, we would love not to have to talk no, about I terrible know. weather, but it's, it happens every week. Yeah. So just as we thought spring was around the corner, we had snowfall. And I know in some parts of the, the UK had it quite bad. Yeah. I saw up north, it was like foot deep snow, like proper, yeah. proper snowstorm. So I woke up Wednesday morning, looked out the window and I just saw this blizzard coming down. I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. So I got out, you know, the, the dad trousers, the, the thick yeah. waterproof winter trousers put them on kitted up 
and uh, started riding to work in the snow. And it's the first time I've ridden in actual falling snow. Well, it's a good thing you had your uh, knobbly tyres on. No, <laughs> well, you say that. I, I left mine and I started riding down the road and it had just, it wasn't settling on the road yet. So I thought, okay, there's hope. And I started riding. I got to the A12, which is like a dual carriageway, 40 miles an hour. And as I was riding along there, the snow was coming directly into my face. And it was sort of piling up on my goggles. Yeah. It was just good. I could hardly see a thing. I had to keep wiping the goggles with my, my gloves. And um, eventually got out the other side of the Blackwall Tunnel under the river. And just as I came off the exit to go to where I'm working currently, the snow had actually started settling on the ground. So I was like, whoa, this is sketchy. That's brave. So I had to traverse a roundabout and do a couple of corners with sort of a centimetre of snow on the ground. So did you, were you sort of both feet hovering over the, the ground to kind and of... I had my feet on the pegs, Yeah, but I was just going incredibly slow. Yeah. Because it, you just know any slight lean or too much power or anything and you're going to be off. But luckily it melted away, but I got soaked. Yeah, I, I've had a similar experience this week because I've been, I've been riding kind of A to B every morning. And that morning when it was snowing, mm. I'd, I think I'd posted on my story and I was like, you know, another day in paradise. Yeah. It's just like, it's classic. You said open the curtains in the morning. It's like, oh, cheers, London. The world keeps turning. Yeah, thanks for another great, beautiful day. But obviously it doesn't stop you getting on the bike. And I would say there's something quite satisfying about starting your bike up in the morning when it's covered in snow and it's freezing yeah. cold and the exhaust starts to sort of steam up. And yeah. it's, just, it's, like, it's nice. That is. Although the engine does take a while to warm up. But what I would say is that for this week, I've been basically just wearing my jeans. I had some waterproof trousers that I thought about wearing, but I don't really like wearing waterproof trousers mm. or something about them. And so I left them at home. And I always thought, and I thought, right, my ride is only 15 minutes, so I'll be fine. It's oh. not enough time to like properly get soaked. <laughs> and oh, how wrong I was. Because you know, I turn up at my destination and it's like, you don't realize your jeans are soaked until no. you get off the bike. Yeah. It's quite interesting because they almost, they like, they sort of stick to your leg when What's they start it? getting wet. And it's only the front of them that gets wet. So normally your thigh looks kind of dry, the back, you're like, oh, that's, that's fine. Yeah. There's no issue. And then you do an eyebrow does raise when you feel the sock start to get wet and you think oh no i've yeah. made a mistake and i had that uh three days a week uh just 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 gone this week so uh, it's awful it's an unpleasant feeling and also it's actually it's kind of fine when you're on the bike it's only when you when step you off, off yeah and you have to kind of waddle into wherever you're going it's yeah, just it's, all, oh, it's, it's like you sort of soiled yourself yeah. it's uncomfortable <laughs> no, it's really bad so i had the snow that hit my jacket was then melting down and making like a pool in my lap yeah and that's it. where it soaked through my so-called waterproof trousers and you could just start to feel i could start to feel it get through yeah but i didn't think it was nearly as bad as it was and it was only when i got to work and i took the waterproof trousers off that i realized that like the whole front of my legs was soaking wet and it got all the way through i had uh thermal trousers on as well under my jeans yeah and, and it's just, and it's cold and it's cold and it gone all the way through and it soaked like the, the sort of bottom of my sweat top as well and the sleeves had gone past the gloves and oh it was just awful and i spent the whole morning with sort of soggy boxes yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're not going to wear waterproofs, you need to take a spare change of everything. Yeah. One one thing that uh, I also noticed this week is that I wasn't wearing a neck tube for the first two mornings, and my lips and my nose got so cold because this you can't underestimate even cruising at 25, 30 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, wind chill. Or it, it, you can barely speak. Yeah. And um, so anyway, on the third morning, I thought, right, I'm smart. I'm wearing a neck tube today. And on this morning, it was Wednesday. It was properly raining. Yeah. So anyway, I pulled the next tube up, DMD helmet goes on, and the shades. 
I had to stop five minutes into the ride because I couldn't breathe. Yeah, it's like you're being waterboarded. Yeah, it? it is. So the neck tube fills with what it gets saturated, and, like the air gaps get blocked, and you can't I, breathe. Yeah, and it's because it's covering your mouth and your nose. I, I couldn't. I was no, literally no, it happened to me. I could breathe out, but not yeah, in. Not in. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, horrible, isn't it? And I genuinely, I literally had to pull over and quickly wind it down. I thought, bloody hell, if you're on the motorway, you're on a main road, and you have made that mistake. Not that anyone's stupid no. like we are. No, to ride in the rain, yeah, uh, with a neck tube, but yeah. Uh, I think the rain thing is just one of those ones where like, I just laugh about it. I'm, like, I'm, get, I'm getting, else. I'm getting soaked. It's yeah. just, it's fine. I, and I would, and when I'm riding along like that, I always just tell myself I would way rather be on a bike right now than on a steamy bus or a busy oh, train yeah. or on foot or anything. Maybe apart from in an Uber, I wouldn't mind being in Uber. No, in and this. it's funny you say that because I decided uh, yesterday, my girlfriend and I decided, you know, we're going to go into town for the day and just have a nice day out, get some lunch. And I thought my bike was filthy yeah. from all of this awful snow silt whatever it was sort of furring up and it's all brown and and the seat was still soggy yeah so i was like okay let's get the train so we get on the train the first few stops we're going part of our route and it's closed yeah and i just oh god so we ended up to turn back and eventually it took us over an hour to get into london when on the bike it would take maybe 25 minutes and it's just i just can't and then it's packed so many people and the windows are all steaming up inside and you're breathing everyone else's breath and you just sit there yeah. and it's just unpleasant it's always better on the bike it's always better on the bike so today because my bike's also been hit by the the elements yeah and i've been for those who don't know since i low-sided on my mutt i've been pretty much dailying my scrambler mm. so i i used to be slightly more precious about it like it was a garage queen you know every time i'd stop it would be locked up and the cover would go over and it would yeah. get a little sort of kiss on the tank. But now it's not like that anymore. It's just, I'm just like, right, it's there to be ridden. Let's Enjoy ride it. it. Yeah. And I've significantly noticed a difference aesthetically from yeah. the bike just getting hit by water, um, kind of grit and salt. But maybe, yeah, most importantly, the salt. Yeah. And so I, I'd i never had parts on my bike kind of fur up before with, with the pitting yeah. until now. And so I... Um, I showed you that photo of my rear sprocket yeah. all kind of white white so I'd actually noticed that I always know when my, my chain needs to be done because I can like hear it in my right ear yeah because I've got the open sprocket cover the yeah. open front sprocket cover I can I can just hear the chain all the time yeah. when it needs to be done when it's dry and stuff and also I noticed a massive difference with how it rides when the chain is dry yeah I went whacked it on the paddock stand gave it a really good clean it's funny because when you get it on the paddock stand, it's a neutral, and you go to turn the wheel, and it's, you can hear the kind of scraping yeah. of, the, of the grit and all that stuff, and how dry the chain is, and how there's actually quite a lot of resistance to pull the yeah. wheel. And then as soon as you start spraying that chain cleaner on, it loosens up. It just spins, yeah. And it just spins. And so obviously, it gave it a really good clean scrub, whatever. And when I got back on it, it felt like a different bike. Yeah. So I did mine because I was after the, the snow and everything, and those couple of days of rain, it had just rinsed my chain clean of most of the lube and i could see it rinsed it out of the sprocket and it was just it was wasn't a good situation so when i um got home on friday when the chain was still warm i thought right it's perfect opportunity to do it so i just chucked it on the paddock stand and i thought i'm going to express clean it and how you are okay start the bike put it in first gear no and let no, it just tip over no this is this is no i'm sorry <laughs> This is, we're, we're known for giving quite poor advice, but this is like the worst. Well, no, no, I'm no, sorry. It's great. The wheels just turns and I just sit there with the spray and the brush and I just... Okay, well, let me disclaim that, that myself, just in case anyone... <laughs> Don't put your fingers anywhere near moving chain and sprocket, but I have a, you know, like well, a chain... Man, I'm fine, there's a bit of good advice, but 
No, I, I'm sorry. I can't be party to this. Uh, this is not, I don't agree with this advice at all. You can say what you want. It's free free speech and all, but I don't agree with that. I think um, you hear too many horror stories about people having shockers. But, uh, you know, it, was it fine? It was fine. The worst thing that could get trapped in is the brush. And the brush is about 30 centimetres long. And I'm holding the end of it. And I have it rested up against the shock. So it can't sort of get dragged in. I still think it's an unnecessary risk. I really don't think it would be any... I, I, I don't think you're relieving that much strain off yourself having it running in, in, in first than you just having it in neutral and spinning it with no, your left true. hand. It'd been a long day and I just wanted to, you know... Well, next time yes. you do it, let, I'll come over and I'll, no, you... I'll be on the throttle yeah. and, we, and you tell me how efficient that is. Yeah. No, I, I, okay, fair enough. Well, it's, but it's clean now. It's clean now and it's lubed and it's perfect. And then the bike got a full wash today. So I took it and gave it a proper clean. Um, just roughly, what's your what's your cleaning process for the bike? Just So at the minute, it's not ideal because... Yeah. I do have a jet wash and I have all the, the mitts and brushes and products and everything. But where I live currently, there's no outdoor tap. So I'm quite restricted and I can't really run a hose pipe sort of upstairs all the way down across yeah. garages and stuff and into the car park. So I go to my local petrol station and they've got one of those ones where you just yeah, chuck like pound coins in yeah. and you pay and use it. So what I do is I take my mitt, my my brush and my drying towel and some products with me in a backpack. And then I go Including there. soap including well they've got the soap they've got like the, the soap lance the brush oh, yeah. and the soap comes at the end so what i do is i um, did you find that's good enough it's not it's not the best but it's, it's not it's bad. not it's not impressive i don't think so what i do with it is i i use the brush to cover the big areas yeah and then i use it to just cover the bike in soap oh and then you use and then brushes. i get my mitt yeah. and then i scrub in and out with the mitt so i did that first and then i give it a rinse and then i've got this um it's auto glim like clean wheel spray oh yeah so it's like quite strong stuff like when you smell it it sort of burns your nose hairs out um but you spray it on the wheels and all the dirt just sort of melts away and when you say wheels do you mean tires as well or just the rims no, just the rims okay rims spokes hubs all those areas that get quite grotty you just spray it on and you let it sit for a bit and then you agitate it i've got one of those um wheel brushes yeah sort of nylon bristle go through the spokes with that get in the hubs, do the rims, yeah. and then just give it a rinse off and they just come out like new. Even my spokes, they're probably the cleanest they've been since the summer. Wow. No, that, that's a really um, good effort. Now, quick story for you of what happened this week. Okay, so our very good friend, uh, Mr. Thurston Diaz, the photographer. Yes. If uh, those of you who don't know him, he's, uh, he's a wonderful photographer, focusing on kind of bikes and lifestyle, that kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah, look him up on Instagram. You've probably seen him already, but yeah. he's, he's awesome. Now, he rides a mutt hilts 125 it's the yes. green one sort of scrambler looking thing he, i often there have been times where i've been riding along and i've literally seen him yeah and there was one time actually the other day where i had pulled over to adjust my camera or something on the bike yeah and then i i could hear his mutts and i always when i hear him you know, i always you know just know it. it's yeah. him and he wears this white bell moto three and i go in the distance so i thought shit i've got to get his attention so i can say hi yeah because um, it's so nice to bump into people when you're out on the oh, road. So great, I just started yeah. the bike and I just red-bombed it. And he immediately turns his head around and stops <laughs> and he said hi. Anyway, that was a few weeks ago. But this week, he gives me a call. He says, I've broken down. I'm in. Uh, I'm on the sort of outskirts of Fulham and Chelsea. Are you nearby? Can you come and help? Yeah. I was around the corner. So I hopped on the bike and went and go and, uh, to go and see what the problem was. Yeah. And anyway, he parked at some Shell petrol station. And his bike wasn't starting now, yeah. it was quite a weird problem. So he said that he had been he had pulled up at a set of lights and the bike had just cut out. Yeah. And then he was able to restart it, but it, was, it wasn't it was holding revs and it was just wanting to cut out when he yeah. came off idle. 
I kind of tried to diagnose the problem. It bump started. So it would oh, okay. start and, and it would go. And then as soon as you came off the gas, it would just roll and Cut just out. dead. But what was interesting is that you could you could still turn the ignition on and the starter motor would engage, but not, it would... Like a clip almost. Yeah, almost like a clip. It it, you could hear it kind of spinning, but not properly engaging the gears. Oh, interesting. And so obviously check the fuses, check this, check that. It's tricky because his bike is fuel injected, whereas if it's carved, it's like you've... Yeah, it suddenly simpler. whittles down the issues. Yeah. So, you know, I said to him straight away, it's, it's got to be electrical because he said his battery had been replaced a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it wouldn't be that. So we tried a few things, bump started it a few times. And even small bikes like 125s, once you bump start it three or four times, oh, your tiring. legs are dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, seriously. And also he had probably about five PSI in his front tire. Oh my word. And I said, I said what? And, and no tread on either. I was like, mate, you've got to sort this out. Yeah. Anyway, so I then said to him, look, we're not going to solve this problem on the side of the road here and now i said i'm not that mechanically minded i mean i know a few bits but like yeah i've got my swiss army knife and a pair of pliers like yeah. there's not much we can really do <laughs> so i said to him we need to find someone to take it so i said right okay we're in fulham the nearest place that that will have us yeah. would be urban rider because there's that vanoni oh yeah guy yeah and we were probably about what would be a five to ten minute ride away from there so i said to him we need to get you there because at least he will have tools, he will have knowledge and might be able to uh, diagnose the problem for us. Yeah. And at least it's better to, to get to kind of safety as a way that it wasn't unsafe. I said to him, I said, you know, can we bump start it? And I just kind of follow you and, and we ride. And anyway, it wouldn't bump start now at this point. Uh, so there was only one option and it was to push it like it was a stolen bike. <laughs> so, I've never, no, so I've never done this before, but I've seen it done on videos of bikes yeah. getting stolen. So the idea is, that myself or my scrambler would be um, just behind and to the right of Thurston. Yeah. And then I would stick my my left leg out on the bike, but completely straight. So I'm using kind of my skeletal strength, not my muscular strength. Yeah. And then in an ideal world, have my foot on the rear pillion peg on the right-hand side. Yeah. And then use my throttles, just kind of push him along. But he had done a rear foot peg delete. Oh, classic. So what I had to do was put my foot on his rear shock which was dangerously close, close to the wheel. wheel. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but it looks really easy it's, and it's, it's really so difficult, difficult yeah. especially when you can't communicate with the guy because oh, you both, the helmets, is noise and uh, another traffic as well. And people yeah. are like, what are you doing? Yeah. So I told him, I was like, mate, it'd be super straightforward. Let's just do it. So I put my foot, foot on it and let the clutch out. And I couldn't believe how heavy the bike felt yeah. on my leg. It took us, luckily we were on some back streets. So we did a bit of practice. And then kind of got the hang. So I was like, right, person, you need to be like directly in front of me, but just to the left. And I was like, I need to keep my foot incredibly straight and you need to just focus on keeping, uh, you know, about a meter away from the curb and we'll do it like that. Yeah. Anyway, so going straight, it's like kind of all right. It's dicey because the the sweet spot is is keeping constant revs and keeping the kind of the load on your leg. Because yeah. as soon as you slow down and he's going faster it takes the load off the leg and you you lose yeah. the footing on the shock so anyway we get down a couple of streets and i'm thinking okay this is all right but then when you get to a junction you have to and, and you have to pull out it's really hard to turn that's so true because your your bike's so close to close to each other so anyway we get a couple of streets down we're going for about five minutes now and then we've got the hang of it so we're now starting to filter because it's quite heavy, there's quite heavy traffic. So we're in the cycle lane, then we're filtering around. It's just, I'm like, yeah, it's coming. We're getting quite a few people honking at us and shouting out common because it looks like we've just, we're nicking a bike. Yeah. It, that's exactly what it looks like. But I was so adamant to get him to Urban Riding. You know, we've got to help, yeah. help a brother out. Yeah. Anyway, we're going down the, down the Kings, New Kings Road at this point, and Urban Riders inside. Oh, 
fine well, this is this is good so what i really didn't want was a police van or worst thing with a police bike it oh, would be God. his wet dr- i mean literally he'd pull us over and yeah. it'd be all the chat. Love it. so we didn't have any issues on that front we get to urban rider safety and have a look around the store and the guy then only checks his battery and it's all fine anyway he can't long story short he's not able to fix it there and then so he gets it towed or put in a van and yeah. take him back home but it was just quite an interesting story because i've never tried the kind of the theft the, thing yeah before. i tried it once and it's so difficult i tried it with another triumph oh, okay yeah and uh and we tried it for a minute luckily we managed to get it started again because we needed to go back to mile end and we were by blackfriars so that was quite a stint and i know i couldn't have done it for that long because a heavy bike but it's challenging it's really it's a it's an art <laughs> i know i know so i i i don't want to do it again if i'm being honest but if i had to I feel like I'd be better suited with uh, my abilities to, yeah, to do it. a bit of practice. Yeah. Now, one another thing to mention is Triumph's motorcycle lifestyle collection is just uh, the sort of autumn. No, it's not yes. autumn. It's the spring, summer. Spring, summer, yeah. 23 collection has just been launched. And uh, we both kindly were sent little care yes. packages. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new collection? I love it. Yeah. That's great. I think everything that they produce is done to a high standard. Yeah. The quality is there. It's not like they're just putting a Triumph name on it and buying any generic Fruit of the Loom hoodie and, you know, <laughs> stamping it up. Yeah. It, it's actually... Beautifully put. It, it, it's done really well. Like the, just the labelling, you know, they have like little Union Jacks stitched on the side and the actual label itself is really nice. And um, kindly they sent me a few bits, which I've, yeah, I've fallen in love with. I opened the box and it was like Christmas. Yeah, um, they, they, they do it so well. And I, yeah, I completely agree. It's really high quality stuff. And... I like the way that they're they're bringing out kind of stylish clothing. Yeah, no, it's actually it's it's good looking stuff. Yeah, they're not trying too hard, um, and it shows. It shows that you know it's, they've genuinely thought about what they want it to look like and the image they're going for. Yeah, and I think it's great. I mean, I got um, so I have some. They sent me a package for for winter, I believe, for last year, and so I already have some great stuff from them. But for the spring summer, they sent me some some, some nice bits. And I got the jacket. I can't remember the model, but it's a wax jacket. It's camouflage. And um, it's it's lifestyle. So it's not biker. It's not a biker jacket as such. It doesn't have... It feels quite heavy duty though. It's, yeah, it's, it's really... It's, the zips are really heavy duty. Um, it's got like a removable gilet like liner. It's waterproof. It's got all the pocket space you need. Um, and it's got like cuffs in the in the wrists to stop the wind getting up. And it's cuffed around the neck as well. I think they've designed that to be on the bike, but they've called it lifestyle so they don't have to go through all the C ratings That's and it. stuff. That's it, 100%. I, so I think it is made for the bike, yes. if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I mean, I rode here today and it, and it was perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Warm. Did everything you needed to. Now, the only dangerous thing with this clothing, like it's all pros. The only con is that, you know, I've... I've almost got too much kit now in the <laughs> sense that I'm going to look like a sort of like Triumph a Triumph rep. merchandise rep. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, because all their stuff, it's Triumph, 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 Triumph. Now on the subject of kind of riding in London, we ought to just talk about ULEZ because this is something that's yeah. quite a controversial topic. It's a hot and topic at the minute. What is ULEZ, do you think? I mean, how would you describe it for people that don't know? Like maybe our over, overseas uh, listeners. Yeah. So we've, the, the government in their almighty knowledge or lack of has decided that certain cities in the bigger cities in london should have zones that try and reduce air pollution so the first one i believe was london and it was within the congestion zone in london which is like quite a central i think it started by tower bridge and it sort of ended by who knows somewhere west i didn't know the west side but anyway um i think it's sort of near buckingham palace okay yeah that, fine yeah so it used to be in there 
Then a couple of years ago, they expanded it out to the north and south circular roads. So it encompassed most of London. And they've got these ULEZ zones. They've got in Birmingham. I believe they've got one in Manchester. They've got one in uh, Cambridge, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're scattered around. And the aim is to try and improve air quality. But it's affecting lots of people who are just trying to live day-to-day lives. And they've got cars and stuff that aren't. So a lot of diesel vehicles, older diesel vehicles, aren't ULEZ compliant. They don't meet the emission standards. So people are having to sell their cars, buy petrol cars. And it's the same with bikes. My Triumph from the factory if you put it in on you can go on tfl's website ulez checker you put your registration in and then it tells you whether your vehicle is compliant or not my bonneville wasn't compliant from factory so when i bought it i didn't realize and it was only at this stage i was in bermondsey and it wasn't in the ulez yet but it was only going to be a couple of months and then they were putting it in the ulez so i started panicking thinking i've just bought this bike that i'm now going to have to sell because it's not compliant because you have to pay it's 12 pounds 50 a day you have to pay to ride or drive a vehicle. If it's if it's non-compliant. If it's non-compliant and you want to go in the zone, um, which, you know, it stacks up. Yeah, and there are there are cameras, aren't there? Everywhere. Cameras, you yeah. can't see them, but no, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Once you know what, to, they're sort of normally posted by traffic lights and they're like oblong black with two lenses in the front. They're the ULES cameras. They've got AMPR recognition. Um, so they pick you up straight away. So with my Triumph, I was fortunate. I found a forum post that apparently if you get the conformity certificate from Triumph, it states that the actual emissions were below the ULEZ limit. So I got that and I sent it to TFL and they just updated their record. So now my bike's ULEZ compliant. Wow, that that's really cool. So it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's all just computer log systems. But I think most bikes from 2007 onwards are ULEZ compliant out of the factory. It's the Euro 5 or something. But people are up in arms because now they want to expand it again. Now, are they expanding it out to the M25? Yeah. So now it's Greater London which is huge. And you think how many people live in that greater London area who have diesel vehicles and rely on them for work and whatever, or they have to commute into the ULEZ from just outside of it. People that work in greater London. So yeah. it's, or, or they live just on the inside and commute out. Exactly. So it affects them either way. And it does add up quickly. I mean, I've got a, a Land Rover Defender 110, which is an older diesel vehicle. So it's not ULEZ compliant. And I only I, I have it because I've always wanted a Defender and I've got plans for it and it's good to move the bike around. But I only use it once a week. Yeah. I use my bike the rest of the week. And you have to pay the £12.50. And I have to pay the £12.50 every time I use it. So through December and January, over the Christmas period, I was using it a bit more because I was going out to Kent to see family and I was going here and there. And we had a few days of snow and I used it to get around a bit. And uh, for that month, I managed to rack up £172 Bloody hell. in ULEZ for that month. Wow, that is a lot, bearing in mind you get nothing for that other than just the uh, the sort of the green light to the just drive to your drive. vehicle exactly. on public roads. Yeah. So it's, it's and I think, I know there's been quite a few protests for this ULEZ and I fully support them. Yeah. Because I think it's bizarre and it's, I don't think it's actually making any difference to the air quality because you've got diesel buses running around. Well, this is, this is the point, isn't it? It's like, let's be honest, it's not your 110 that's the problem in London. No. It's the, it's the uh, the lorries, it's the buses, it's the trains, it's the generators on building sites, exactly. it's all the concrete uh, generation, it's cement the mixes, everything, cement mixes, and and also all the all the sort of the plant machinery around yeah. the place, all the roadworks that's happening on every other street, yeah. and they've got the generator going all day long, and the tar being pulled out, and uh, the uh, rubbish lorry truck. You know, there's, there everything. are these big vehicles that yeah. are probably a lot more emittive than, no, than exactly. a, sort of Toyota Yaris. Yeah, that's true. 
And I think it's just so wasteful, to be honest. It's yeah. like this idea that it's like, okay, well, you know, because of environmental reasons, you can no longer drive this car. Well, unless you pay, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're taxed, obviously that solves it. But it's this idea that, okay, if someone's got a 2005 Toyota Yaris, they, they have to sell the thing that's only worth three and a half grand and it's got 50,000 miles on it and it's got plenty more life, yeah. plenty more give. They've got to get rid of it and then buy a car that is ULES compliant. They might have to drop 10, 15 grand exactly. on a new car. And it just seems um, really kind of uh, unfair on the average person. Yeah. So what's quite bizarre as well is some vehicles that you would expect to be not ULES compliant actually are. So when I was, before I was looking to get in my Defender, I was looking at other 4x4 options that I could have that would be ULES compliant. And you can get a four litre straight six Jeep Cherokee. No. <laughs> And it's you less compliant because it's petrol. Whereas you can get a two litre turbo diesel Golf because yeah. it's diesel, it's not you less compliant. So some of these vehicles are like absolutely seen. Like I had a BMW that was a three litre straight six petrol and that was you less compliant because it was petrol. Okay, because here's a point. So one of the things that I believe is that it also massively depends on how you drive or ride. So like yeah. say for example, you could have, um, let's say a VW Polo GTI. Yeah. That's at a 1.4 turbocharged thing that is you less compliant, right? And you could be a boy racer that is rev bombing it at every light. Yeah. You, like, it's like launch control at every opportunity and you're just steaming the yeah. thing along. Oh, gotcha. Now, presumably that's going to cause uh, a bit more uh, sort of CO2 and all these types of things than maybe a sort of VW uh, transporter van yeah. that is just sort of not going above 2000 RPMs and, and, and is chugging along doing kind of courier deliveries, right? Exactly. But then the courier van would not be ULOS compliant. So it's no. just... It seems like a, uh, a system that is confusing, I think. Yeah. And then even some older vehicles get stung with the low emission zone, yeah. which currently occupies out to the M25. And it, some of them are £100 a day. I know older Land Rovers, TDI Land Rovers, it's £100 a day just to drive. So when if you want to come into London in an old Land Rover, you would pay £100 for the low emission zone, you'd pay £12.50 for the ULES, and then you could pay another £12.50 for the congestion if you're coming into central London. Yeah, and then an eight quid an hour for parking. Uh, yeah. Plus a sort of 60 and then another 60 quid for the a couple of fines you get for sitting in the wrong box or the wrong exactly. lane. So or... this is, I think this is all to deter drivers from being in London at all. Yeah. And this leads us on to the, all these new road closures that they're sort of putting in around the city yeah this is this has got to be talked about it's so unusual i mean it's happening in front of our eyes but it's almost like uh the the, the change is happening so kind of so slowly that you don't notice yeah you almost don't notice the yeah. sort of the whole uh i've suddenly had it around me where, where there have been certain roads where five years ago you could drive down it because it was a public road yeah and now there's a sign up saying no cars no bikes uh permit holders only yeah. And for access. And you think yeah. well, this is a through route. And, you know, what they're doing, which I understand, is they're trying to drive all the traffic through one kind of main artery. Yeah. But it seems that, you know, to relieve the pressure on the lo um, on the kind of residential streets yeah. and, and all that, the noise and the pollution, I get it, children running around. But it ends up just uh, massively increasing the amount of congestion on that one road that then has yeah. to hold everyone. So that the, the prime example of that is the um, just before Wandsworth Bridge. Yeah, perfect. That road. They've got camera, camera systems on all the side streets surrounding that area. If you go into them um, and happen to go through them, I was working nearby that area at one stage and a guy that I was working with rode Triumph uh, Speed Triple, didn't realize the camera system, just following his quad lock, his maps, and he was in and out, in and out through these cameras about 10 times 
or so throughout a couple of weeks. Oh dear. And then started getting fines in the post, stacking up, you owe 500, you owe 600, 700, 800 pounds. And they had wrote an email to Hammersmith Borough Council, whatever, mm-hmm. saying, listen, like, I'm working here. Um, how, just, how else do I get in? Exactly. How else do I get? Because both sides yeah. leading to this place of work both sides had were booby, booby trapped. Yeah. Exactly. So how do you get in? So they were like, oh yeah, sorry about that. Well, isn't there a rule that if you get off your bike and you push it, then it's fine? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that somewhere. I've done that before. Yeah, yeah. It's been a one I, I way think, and I need to turn around. You just get off and... I know. think that is a law. If you get off your bike and you push it, it's technically not... So you're not riding it. Yeah, it's not like in motion or something. Yeah. Yeah, because that there's, there's also roads where, and I think this is happening a lot in Hackney in East London, where they've uh, there's been, I mean, literally the entrance of a street. Yeah. And they've just put wooden planters, planters. in the middle of yeah. the road with the sign saying no entry. So and it's like, what? Yeah. So this is, they're doing this thing in Oxford that some people might have heard about. And it's called like, they're labeling like 15 minute cities. Yeah. And they're dividing cities up into zones and... They're trialing it in Oxford at the minute, but people are only allowed in their zone, sorry, like out of their zone X amount of times a year. Oh, I see. So to get to other zones, you can't go through them. You have to go out of the city round and then back into another zone. What? So you could, it could add an extra hour to your journey. But the way that they say like, you've got like hundred passes um, per household per year to go into different. So if you've got a relative that lives in a different zone of Oxford, and you've seen them a hundred times in the year. Once you've passed that limit, you can't go. They start fining you for going through these different zones. It's like being a tax resident of another country. Like, yeah. But it's your own city. This is what they, I mean, you can just Google it. You can go on Google and look at Oxford's new structure. And I think they're trying to bring this into cities like London and big cities. And that's what they're doing with these planters. They're slowly dividing up yeah. areas of London into these like mini. Yeah. It's almost boroughs. like they're, they're making the main roads, the main roads. So like these are the ones where you get from A to B. It's like a main artery and everything in between. It's like, no, you can't just cut through there. No, you just shut off. Now, you know, obviously it's good to have a, an element of skepticism with this, with, with, with these things say, well, you know, it ought to be questioned, but then also, you know, you have to look at it with both sides, but I think the important thing is just have your eyes open to sort of understand what they're doing. And, you know, with all that happened over uh, the COVID pandemic and things, it's just important to um, just be, I think, vigilant about what's going on yeah. and, um, and, and to talk about these things. Yeah, but it's no, also, it's, but it's also hard to find reliable sources of, of, of information because I think it's very hard to find information on the press and on the news that that's not at odds with you know what the people no, exactly. that are running the cities want uh the message to be yeah exactly and um you know so it does make things tricky bikes are probably uh, are going to get hit the least i would say because if you're yeah. in a car you really haven't got many options but at no. least with a bike you can weave in and out and you can hop off and you push it and you know i mean worst case scenario and this is not like advice necessarily but one you know you can always cover the plate it's a lot easier to do yeah. that on a bike than it is a car, car. And at the end of the day the, uh, the most power that the government have is they've got your details through the license plate. Exactly. And if they can't see that, they can't see anything. No, As it true. were. And obviously with a bike, it's only on the back. And I know lots of people who, when they ride, they have the flip and dip plates, yeah. which are the ones where it's almost like a tail tidy, but it's just on a, on a kind of stiff hinge. Yeah. And you just flip it down or you flip it up so it can't be um, read yeah. by cameras and, and, and picked up, etc. And it's a way of just being able to go where you want yeah. without the fear of being uh, sort of fined every other Not minute. exactly. Turning down a one way or a bus is only road or some ridiculous traffic regulation. Exactly. And I think, you know, again, it would be terrible advice to say, cover your plate, get a flip, a flip and dip and whatever. But I can understand the argument of people that saying, you know, I'm getting fined everywhere I go. Yeah. So I'm just going to get a flip and dip 
And if I get stopped and get fined 100 quid for the police, well, that's better than getting fined 600 quid a month. Exactly. From all the other cameras. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I think it's something that, you know, as more information comes out and, you know, we, we can discuss it more yeah, in, definitely. in the future, but it's definitely something. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, if you guys have got any insights, it's, um, it is slightly the blind leading the blind with all these things yeah. because they don't lay it out to you on a plate, right? Here's exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's all, no. you know, they, they, they give you the stats that, that they think you want to hear and exactly. all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah. people are tackling it. I saw pictures online actually the other day and um, they're going and sabotaging the cameras, cutting the cables to the US cameras. Yeah, well, I'm all for that spirit yeah. of rebellion. And, no, that, and, exactly. that's, and that's not just the, the biker spirit, but I think, you know, there's got to be... Oh, a nice bike in the background. Yep. <laughs> I hope that got picked up. Yeah, someone's having it outside. Yeah. He's definitely got a flip and dip. Yeah, I think that there's got to be a spirit of rebellion. You know, I think to sit back and, you know, let's say you live on X Street and suddenly some Conway construction guys turn up and they put this sign up and it's like, oh, wait, hang on a sec, what are you putting up? And then the planters go and they plant these carrots. And all of a sudden you can't go out one side of your street. Yeah, I think it's just worth being vigilant because it's like with the pandemic where it was suddenly like, put on a mask, shush, in, in your house, stay yeah. there. And everyone was just like, all right, fine. And I think there's the danger that people will do the same. Yeah. And then before we realised, two years have passed and, and normal isn't yeah. normal anymore. No, exactly. And we have to get used to this new normal. So I think it's useful to, to use the lessons that, 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 that have been taught to us yeah. and, and just be, be aware of what's going on. Now, that's probably enough controversial chat for the, yes. for the, for the pod. Should we move on to the engine guessing game? Let's do it. So I've gone a bit rogue with this week's choice. Not that I don't go rogue every week. Rogue, rogue in what sense? Well, it's just quite unique. Okay, so here's the are, are you, you going to tell me anything about this? But Is there any disclaimer that needs to be made? Or are we just going with it? Um, we just go, it's a custom bike. So it's got an aftermarket exhaust. All right, sweet. Um, let's, let's hear it. So here we go. Okay, well, let's just sort of, let's just agree that this is the hardest. Uh, okay, so I will give you a few hints because this is extremely difficult. Yeah, I'm just going to need some information because that sounded like a bag of nails. <laughs> okay, so this is a discontinued bike. Okay, it's a discontinued bike. And I need, I need, uh, which decade? Well, uh, no, I mean, I can guess. I mean, if, it doesn't sound like a new bike. I'll, be, I'll put it that no, way. No, so it, it's pre-1990s. Okay, so it is old. Um, Yeah, would it would it be classed as a vintage bike? Is it pre-1982? It, it, pre it would be... Um, it could be eighties. Okay, now oh, it's really hard to say what engine configuration because it had such a weird startup. Yeah, it, it was, it's a it, bit of a cold start. Yeah, a bit of a cold. It sounds like it's starting a steam train. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna. I'm, my first guess is to say it's a twin. It is a twin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I kind of knew that because it's definitely not going to be a triple and nine four or a single, but. Yeah. I think the configuration of the twin is going to be what's important. It is. It's because it's, it's definitely not a parallel twin or a V twin. It's going to be something pretty funky. And it's not, uh, am I right in saying that? It, yeah. Because it's, I, I don't think it's a transverse twin. It's not going to, it doesn't sound like a BMW at all. It's definitely not. That. No, it's, it's not. It's not like a boxer. Okay. It, it's European twin. No. Wow. Okay. It's not a Europe. Is it American twin? It's not. Japanese twin. It is Japanese is it twin. Really, a Japanese it's twin. A Japanese twin. 
And there wasn't many for classic bikes. Oh, my, my, sorry, my head is literally spinning. I've got so many thoughts and I'm just trying to sort of collect <laughs> them so and be obscure. civilized. Okay, it's really Okay, so oh, getting excited. Okay, so it's a Japanese... Uh, it's a Japanese... Uh, could it be a V-twin? It doesn't sound like a V-twin. It's not a parallel twin. It's definitely not... Gonna, it is a V-twin, isn't it? It is. Yeah, okay. It can't be anything else. Okay, it's a V-twin. It's Japanese. Okay, let's, let, let, let's run it through. Okay, it's not going to be a Honda. I wouldn't rule it out. Okay, it's a Honda. We've we've learned we've learned that. Okay, it's a Honda. Um, a lot of people have done custom versions of this bike. We know we have a friend who's done a custom version of this bike. That might have been a, quite a heavy clue. Okay, is it? Is it a? It, okay, okay. Is it? A, is it? Is it a CX five hundred? <laughs> Honda CX five hundred. Yeah. Can we hear it one more time? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it one more time because it is. It's cold start and it's it's just a lumpy old thing. <laughs> Once it gets going, you can sort of hear. So it was sort of that's that's yeah. the bike you're working with. Okay, like a cafe racer interesting. thing. Interesting. That was tricky. That was tricky. That was really tricky. And I'll give you that. Now, here's one for you. Now, okay. you've been on quite a streak these last few weeks, so I'm I'm mixing it up, and I'm going to give you. I'm throwing in a bit of a curveball. I'm just going to see how you react. I'm not going to give you any information other than it's an aftermarket exhaust. Okay, go on. Let's hear it. Here we go. interesting that's really interesting it almost sounded automatic it is now the first bike that i think of when i think automatic is the africa twin okay the dct okay well it's, it's not that but but you're on the right side on the right okay japanese yes okay it's japanese it's honda yeah, yes. Okay, you're doing dangerously well. Carry on. Okay. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what other bikes. Yes, it's DCT. Yes. No, I'm not too. It's not an Africa Twin. No. Adventure bike. So Sort it, of, like a Tourer. Well, the th it, it's a bike that's almost in a class of its own. Because oh, it's okay, like, interesting. Is it an adventure bike or is it a... It's like, weirdly, they've, 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 they've combined two... Two genres of bike. Two genres that you didn't think could be combined. Okay, that's interesting. It's a bike that you don't see very often in London. It's a bike that I would confidently say you would never, ever buy, even if you had spare money yeah. going around. So it looks awful. Well, it doesn't look awful. <laughs> it's just not appealing. It's just a weird bike. It's like a commuter mixed with an, with an adventure bike. I would say you're on the right track when, when you say that. See, now I'm not too clued up on my Honda names. Um, what capacity could it be? Is it like a, like a 900 or something? Or smaller? It's, it's slightly smaller. Like a five? No, no. In between? between. Like 750 or? Around that, yeah. Okay. I'm so, I'm not, I can almost picture the bike with its like huge pannier boxes and it's a bit of a fairing and it's probably like dark red or something. <laughs> almost. Well, it's... Okay. The clue I will give you is that with this bike, your feet will be forward. Uh, is, it's not, is it a rebel? No, it's no, no. But that's a good guess, actually. That's a really good guess. It's not. Um, feet forward? Yeah. So it's like a cruiser bike, but no. not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I'll, I'll say it's feet forward and lots of plastic. Oh, uh, okay. I know what it is. Yeah. It's that that um 
the off-road scooter looking thing. <laughs> What's it called? Is it the XADV? No, that's it. That's what I've given you. No, I, didn't, I didn't realise they were geared. Or automatically well, geared. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were just like big twisting goes. Well, they are in a way, but they're just, they're, they're, you know, it's DCT. Because I heard it like downshifting when it, when yeah, it was know. quite bizarre. It was like downshifting clunk, without clunk, a clunk. blip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen one out on the street? I have. Yeah. I have seen one in London. They're and quite they, cool. They fly. They do. They absolutely fly. And do you know what? To be honest, out of all the bikes that look like a scooter, that's probably the only <laughs> one I'd have. Because you could chuck knobblies well, so, on it and you could go green laning. Yeah, true, true. The thing, I just couldn't get a um, live with your feet being on the kind of plastic. No, I know. Flat um, little pads. Well, good effort. I, I would say, given the circumstances, you did quite well there. Yeah, that was a, that was tricky. Yeah. Now, have we got time for a couple? Let's do a couple of questions. Just because yeah, we on. did have some people write in. Okay. We, we, we've slightly overrun with this one. Who would have thought that, that just having a catch-up would, would go on yeah, for, know. for nearly an hour? So I've got a few questions here. So I've got, let's see, I can answer this one. It's from GJ Lewis. It says, renting motorbikes abroad, where to start, anything to avoid, any advice, etc." Yeah. So I rented a bike for the first time abroad last month, month before, a couple of months ago. Yeah. I think as long as you find a place that's reputable, has some reviews, good feedback, and you can, you can almost judge a place when you're you know when you go there and you check out what they've got and how they offer it um so i was in Mallorca, and there's a place called vintage motors that i'd sort of looked at in the past they offer everything from vespers through to adventure bikes modern classics everything in between but i went in there they show you the packages they normally have helmets and stuff that you can rent as well if you don't want to take your own gloves and stuff they have all the kit and i think it was 90 euros or something for the day and i was on a brand new um guzzy v7 yeah no, I think for the most part, they're, they're, they're all good. I think the thing you've got to look out for, like you said, when you came out from the trip is them cheaping out on some of the components, like the tires yeah. and the brake pads. You've just got to be aware that they, um, it might be a reputable place, but it might they might have sort of crappy uh, sort of Chinese tires on like a decent yeah. bike. So you want to make sure you- Exactly. Yeah. So I was on this brand new Guzzi. It had only done 15 kilometers from new, wow. um, but it was on cheap tires. Yep. So there was certain stages and you've got some amazing twisties in Mallorca. And there were stages where I really just wanted to give it the beans, but- you could almost feel the tires going and I know they're new tires and you're supposed to sort of break them in, but we covered around about 200 kilometers that yeah. day. And by the end of it, I still felt sketchy on it. So they did have other bikes. I wish I'd gone for the R9T, which had some, you know, proper um, Pirelli tires on it. So yeah, that's what you should look out for really. Sweet. Um, ZBVN is asking, what was your dream bike before owning any bike and getting a license? Now, so did you have a, a, a bike, that, like a poster bike when you were a child? We yeah. thought, this is what I'll buy. So my sort of poster bike from before I had any form of two-wheel transport was, it sort of varied between, they all looked, it was like a cafe racer. That was the dream for me. Something like a, like a Norton with the big polished alley tank, short seat with the rear cow, proper old school cafe racer that was my dream back in the day and i wanted and there wasn't this was sort of before mutt became a big thing like mutt hadn't officially become like a brand so they offered like the closest thing to a classic bike um but there was nothing there no one offered a cafe racer it was like a 125 so when i was looking for a 125 um i just couldn't find one but now you've got there's quite a few brands that are doing cafe racer sort of options yeah, there's loads everyone's, um, doing it. everyone's doing it so that was sort of my dream fair yeah. enough yeah my mine was just uh to have an orange dirt bike 
It was yeah. as simple as that. It was literally like if I threw a penny in a pond, it was closed my eyes, orange dirt bike, basically just like a KTM 250 <laughs> EXE. Just give me one of those. Or I did, I did, um, when I was younger, I used to see them around a lot was um, with, with the KTM 990 Adventure. Oh, yeah. And most people would say that's quite an ugly looking bike. And in a way, I would agree. It's a, It almost looks like the Tenere. It's got that weird Dakar styling that some yeah. people don't get on with, but it's quite functional. And I used to see them, you know, the livery would be a kind of a, an ocean blue and, and orange. Yeah. With the Dakar face yeah. and the da- and on, you know, with knobblies and they'd always look beaten up. And I always used to see those and think, yeah, that just That's looks cool. Like- with the twin Akrabovich exhaust out yeah. of the back. Oh, lovely. Any good custom workshops uh, that we know of in London? And that is from Clossy4. Hmm. Yeah, there are a few dotted around. There is. There's a few options. Um, I haven't personally used any. Um, whenever I do work to my bike, I do it myself. You've used um, one or two here and there. Yeah, I've used Dirty Cats and Putney. The thing is, when it comes to doing custom work on your bike, if you're most uh, cosmetic jobs you do to your bike, you can pretty much do yourself. They're, yeah, they're all bolts on stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know... Just, um, a socket set. Yeah, exactly. All the... Most of the Motone bits. Yeah. If you've got a socket set and a few spanners, you can do it all yourself. 100%. Um, yeah, but when it comes to kind of fabrication, most of the custom shops are outside of london yeah like they'll be on the outskirts yeah but there's you do your research there's there's, there's loads they're, they're dos around they're there's just around, the only yeah. thing is just in london they're quite expensive that's always the thing that's so it. So if you're willing to pay the premium then go for it but if i was having like a uh, a new exhaust fabricated or some some body work done, oh you'd go out of london yeah all day long 100 yeah, percent, definitely now here's a quick question that i'm i'd be quite good to answer which is uh thruxton to london is asking 3k to buy a bike for greenlining what would you go for and oh, it's, a it's a really good, it's a really good question because I think it's something that crosses a lot of people's minds. A lot of people want to scratch that itch of oh, green alien looks fun. I don't want to do it on my Thruxton. Yeah. So let me spend drop three k on a bike that I could always sell in six months and and have a lot of fun on. And I basically had that exact thought and bought a Honda CRF two fifty rally, which I've still got now. It's a lot of fun. It's not fast. It's not that capable as it were on paper, but it's extremely fun. And for green alien, you just couldn't it's want perfect, anything. Isn't it? Yeah. Happy yeah. days. It's awesome. So. I've got a question from the London Harley. Oh. And it says, uh, do you use a helmet bag after you've parked up somewhere? Any recommendations? So I don't actually use a helmet bag. So normally if I'm riding around and I park somewhere, my helmet comes with me. Whether I've got to go to the shops or I'm going to meet someone or whatever, I just carry my helmet with me. But most of the time when I'm on the bike and I go somewhere, I try and find somewhere where I can park my bike and see it. And then I leave the helmet with the bike and just watch over it. Um, But yeah, I just carry it with me. Yeah. I, I more or less do the same because it's just I, I pretty much only use an open face in London yeah. now and they're, they're not heavy they're not bulky you can kind of carry them around also it's quite nice to you know walk around with a helmet when you're off the bike it's just sort of talking talking point but also I think people probably wouldn't nick a helmet that's just like no. a scratched up open face but it just would be really annoying if you'd left you'd gone into a restaurant or something for lunch and you came out and the helmet was gone yeah. for whatever reason it would just be annoying to have to He's like, what do you do? So no, exactly. I think purely for just practicality reasons, I, I just keep take mine it. on me. Yeah. I mean, if you've got to carry some stuff, what I sometimes do is I loop mine through my my belt, fasten it up, yeah. and it just hangs off my hip and then both my hands are free. So if I need to carry stuff, it's it's all good. Decent. Now, I think before we go completely over time and take up all our audience's time, yeah. we should we should wrap this up. Let's do it. It's been a great catch up. Massive thanks to Motown as always for uh, supporting us. And, yes, thank uh, you. Catch you next week. See you next week. Cheers. Bye.